Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. there, welcome along to the latest edition of the Full Throttle Podcast from Eurosport. Greg Haynes with you, James Tozen here as well. Hello, James. Hello, Greg. Good weekend of bike racing at Magnicor in France. Good weekend of bike racing at Snetterton for the World and British Superbike Championships. I'm afraid we're not in the best of moods here, are we? We've had a fantastic we weekend. We were. We've had a fantastic <laughs> weekend. We are neutral. We don't mind who, win race, who wins races or championships. But the way in which a race result has been changed this afternoon... I think we're all shocked. James Whittam shocked back at Snetterton. We've just heard from him on the TV chatting with Rachel Stringer. Uh, if you weren't following the racing, you might not know, but uh, it was a treble this weekend for Toprak, Razgati Oglu and Yamaha. We'll talk more about that in a moment and how fantastic a weekend it's been. But during the 300 race this afternoon, we had a message appear on the bottom of the screen. It's the first we'd heard of anything. All of a sudden, we find out that Jonathan Ray is now the winner of the sprint race. A protest went at, uh, went in from Kawasaki Racing Team, as we suspected, didn't we, James, during that 300 race. Paul Denning, the Yamaha team principal, has since confirmed that. And they've basically knocked Toprak back from first to second for the most ridiculous exceeding of track limits because he just about clipped a green-painted area coming out of 180, despite Jonathan Ray carrying more corner speed behind him. Um, I'll, I'll just shut up for a second there, James, and let you speak. I... I can't oh. quite believe it. I'm just shocked. Well, I'm glad you've, you've dragged it out because I'm speechless about it. It's disgusting. And Kawasaki should be embarrassed uh, about the protest. The rules state uh, in the rule book that a protest has to be in and registered within half an hour of the event. So that would have been within half an hour of the event. And you said something quite interesting, Greg, when you saw Johnny Ray wanting to whisper something in the ear at the post-race Park Ferme area straight after he's just took his helmet off. And was that at the time where Johnny Ray just hinted at Pereira saying, look, check that out. That could be a misdemeanor on their behalf. Uh, and obviously that's what's happened. Within half an hour, they've put the protest in. But when you watch the replay back, I would be hard-pressed to find too many people to say that that those tyres exceeded the white line, for one, fully, because the tyres have to exceed it fully, um, and then to say any advantage was taken, because there wasn't for me, because actually Johnny Ray went overtook him at the next corner, let's not remember, let's not forget, Johnny Ray overtook Top Rack at the next corner after that, so where was the advantage of that? I, I didn't see that, but yeah, really, really bad taste, and, and, and like I say, Kawasaki should be embarrassed herself, dirty tactics, below the belt, and they don't deserve, and they, they, they are not, they've got no place within motorcycle racing. 
Now, of course, if Jonathan Ray wasn't whispering something about that particular moment to Pera either, we apologise. And only Jonathan and Pera will know what was discussed there because it was particularly secretive. Well, but either way... Sorry to interrupt, but it's a good no, call, go ahead, Greg, go because I, think I don't that's think probably, a camera would ever pick that up. I think that's it, probably It has to be happened. from the eyes of the guy behind. That's what I would think. Top, and there was, was only Johnny. one guy behind. Yeah, it was exactly, Jonathan. Mate. I think you're right. I think you're right. It and, might not be. The, I mean, let's just say, I mean, they may, I can't remember. We've only just come off air. I think, did they ever show a replay from that far back? Perhaps it was someone in the garage. So if that's the case, Jonathan, we apologize. We don't know for sure who first saw it. But anyway, somebody in Kawasaki Racing team saw it. Whoever's seen it shouldn't have put a protest in. Do yeah. It, so it doesn't matter if it's Johnny or anything. Well, the protest has to come from the team manager, I believe, doesn't yep. it, James? So that yep. would have been Gim Roder who went there. Yep. And yep. Uh, I don't even know whether Yamaha at the time would have known. They have to send representatives from both parties, don't they, to uh, yep. race control. So would that have been the two riders and the team managers? Well, it had to be. It has to be registered within half an hour, and then obviously, then the, the other parties have to be notified of it. So this has obviously been going on all afternoon. Then, yeah. Not that, only yeah. that, James. Let's talk about the actual. Um, the actual amount of time it took for that decision to be made. Why are we getting a, a result change for the sprint race during the afternoon's Supersport 300 race? We'd already had another Superbike race, a Supersport race, which was delayed with a load of time in between, and a 300 race. Why has it taken so long? I'll tell you why it's taken so long, because you would have to watch that 5,000 times to actually all of a sudden convince yourself that there was an advantage taken and they broke the rules of going beyond the track limits. Simple. They must have done. <laughs> Formula One, car racing, um, has had a lot of stick in recent years for some really silly and stupid, you know, you think back to Hamilton and Massa at Spa in 2008 and races being changed and all the rest of it. Uh, bike racing generally has always been the more gentlemanly side to motor racing, I think it's fair to say, hasn't it? Because uh, it's so much more dangerous, I think is the main reason. I, the problem is now though, James, a precedent's been set here. If you look back to Aston earlier this year, Locatelli and Toprak again, cut across the green-painted area, marginally, coming out of the last chicane at Assen, and both lost second and third positions there, dropped back to third and fourth. The race stewards, we hear, didn't even agree with that, but because the rule says you're not allowed to exceed track limits, they had to go by the book, but this is just getting ridiculous now, isn't it? They were beyond the white line in that one, though, so there, there yeah, was an okay, argument fair in Assen, even but, I mean, though the thing was is the last like, lap, and they didn't lose again any time, and the results would have been exactly the same if the riders would have stayed on the white line towards the chequered flag, because mm, it was okay. literally, what, 10 yards, 20 yards from the misdemeanor to the chequered flag, so whether they were, like, you know, uh, half a metre to the right or left, the results would have been the same regardless, so that's why we questioned it, but they were of obviously beyond the track limits so you know the rules are the rules and you have to respect the rules it is a dangerous sport like you're saying so the rules have to be respect respected but um but yeah that that was a bad call bad call and it, I, I, it's a bad taste in his mouth but um but you now let's 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 try not to kind of let that just uh mask everything that we've seen this weekend with the amazing talents of, of top rack and johnny and even scott redding in that last race uh, uh getting that podium uh, it's not been an easy weekend for, for for Gigatti and for scott that's for sure and the championship's just starting to look a little bit difficult for him isn't it but but the quality of the other riding are at such high level are right on the edge and and i, and I think this could be something to do with what we've seen here with this protest because the pressure's on, isn't it? The pressure is really on. And each team is having to eke out every last bit of of opportunity to get their package one step ahead of the other. And the Kawasaki at the minute, the package with Johnny Ray, it just doesn't look like it's as comfortable to do the lap times as the R1. So because of that, 
you know, they're, they're up till one o'clock in the morning looking at all the data of the front suspension, rear suspension, the balance, the wheelbase, the electronics, the traction control, the start procedure, blah, 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 blah. And, and it, their backs are so against the wall at the minute with Top Rack and the R1, they're even going to this level of looking at where they, uh, if there's any break of the rules. And, and it's because of all of that pressure that they're, they're, they're being forced to, to, to do tactics like this. But uh, in my opinion, you know, that's, that's a bit too, 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 too far beyond. Obviously, we've got to be fair here. We've got to balance this argument and look at it from both points of view, of course. You mentioned before, Jonathan Ray was quicker out of that 180 anyway. The left-hander, the right-left flick down towards him. And as you say, James, he did pass top right. So would Jonathan argue and Kawasaki argue, yeah, okay, yeah, we were quicker, but we were on the racetrack. He was technically off the racetrack. I'm just trying to see it from Kawasaki's point of view. Yeah, but he wasn't. That's the thing. You know, you you, you look at those tyres and the, 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 the rear tyre on the view that I saw was probably two-thirds over the white line, but it was still connected till still touching the white line and in my opinion you know my opinion if the if the tire is still touching the white line you are within track limits and uh, um yeah it, it wasn't as nowhere near as clear cut as Assen. i mean Assen, both tires were over the thing they're all both on the blue or the green whichever the color the uh, the tarmac is painted that was blue there wasn't it i think and uh, and most of it is green so it's uh and we saw oh. a Super Sport 300 rider, I must admit, I can't remember who it was now, but on the last lap at Assen earlier this year, coming out of the right-handers yep. towards the Rams hook, somebody ran wide, they were yep. clearly off the track. It happened in Moto3 or Moto2, I think it was this year. Yep. Uh, turn three at Barcelona, somebody was off. They're fair enough, aren't they? That, that's cool. fair enough, but, ah, oh dear. Who's to blame, though? Is it Kawasaki for sinking that low, as so many people are saying they are? Is it the stewards slash race direction for... Not saying, come on, guys, that's silly. The thing is, though, I think now race direction, they've backed themselves into a corner because if they're going to take positions off other people for cutting the green, then they can't really, they've got no answer to that, have they? You've, you've, hit, you've hit the nail really on the head there with that because if that's, the, if that's the margin, if that's the level, then you're going to have, right, in the garage of Yamaha, Ducati and Kawasaki now with a spotter. Yeah. With a spotter, watching every single piece of every onboard footage, single bit of footage, and that, you know, once you set the bar at that level to out for for looking for for those kind of uh, crimes against each other, uh, that's not that's not sporting. Bad sportsmanship, isn't it? Yeah. What, what are they going to happen then? Is somebody going to have to go to Dorna from each team at the end of the race requesting every single frame of onboard footage? So, oh, is that a bit? Are you going to punish that? Yes. Ah, oh, dear, oh dear. Well, as you can tell, the emotion's still flowing and the adrenaline in this commentary box. We've only just come off air. Uh, I don't know what Charlie Hiscott thinks about it at, uh, I, you know, I, down I in the paddock. I think I can guess. <laughs> I'll know. Um, Kawasaki can get political. There's no doubt about it. Uh, the team there, there's been a few little incidents over the last few years, James. Uh, there's no point going through them all now, obviously. Um, what we do know is uh, James Whittam's commenta uh, commented on this on the telly. This is what James Whittam said just a few minutes ago, back at Snetterton, chatting with uh, Rachel Stringer. Well, a great weekend then from Adrian Hurtras, and someone that we thought also had a perfect weekend was Top Rack. But we had some news, and you may have seen it going across the ticker on the screen, or you may have heard it as well, that he actually got um, penalised, didn't yep. he, in the Super Bowl race for exceeding track, track limits, limits on the last lap. Yep which obviously put him down to P2, which yep. would have actually affected race two in terms of the grid. Yep. And obviously has taken away one of those wins. Yep. We're seeing it now, Wit. Um, yep. Really late decision, possibly too late to be called, maybe. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, uh, it's disgusting. I totally agree with James Torsland. 
The problem is that the organisers have Dorna, have, have, they've worked themselves, they've actually backed themselves into a corner with this. They've got acres of hard runoff on every corner, right, that you can run onto. It's not grass, that's painted tarmac. So they've got that. So then if people start taking liberties and using it for advantage, they have to have a penalty. Uh, and then, and then, yeah, we've got, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I agree with that. There's, once you have to have people sat in an office who may or may not have even ever ridden a motorbike, never mind race one, say, oh, yeah, yeah, he did go off the track, right, a penalty. And the difference then is that the teams will think, well, we can take an advantage of this, we can complain because the precedents have been set. If we find it, we can, we can dissect everything, look at every single corner. We find one wheel, one little inch of our... Uh, competitors tyres on the, the painted tarmac and off, off the track we can get them uh, demoted and that's to me that's taken away from racing it's spoiling the sport that I love it's disgusting and why is it come so late as well Wits that's because another you, you've question. got half an hour to put, a, to put a, a, a protest in about anything about a technical regulation about how you think somebody's cheating with a regulation of the bike or whatever uh, so that's it's taken it's taken the, the team a, a while to, to, to look put, at to it look and at actually the, try aha, and find this margins. here we go then they've put a, a complaint in then the organisers once they had the thing where uh, Toprak and Locatelli were demoted a place each at Assen on the last lap, last corner, which to me was disgusting as well, precedent's been set. So then Kawasaki go up to the organisers, put a complaint in, and the organisers then have to do something because they've done something before. For me, simple solution, right? You have tarmac, you have a white line, you have grass. You go on the grass, you lose time naturally because you don't have any grip. Simple. And they shouldn't announce it, should they, at the end of the day? Well, we've already it's... wrapped up race two as well and Super Bowl and everyone celebrated three in a row. And don't get it. A great weekend for Yamaha as well, which is obviously pretty disappointing for the team because they were victorious. They uh, had a record breaking weekend hadn't they for top rack but uh yeah we'll have to talk about that in two weeks time that's when we go racing again by the way happy birthday to james for monday and it will be monday by the time you're all listening to this happy birthday wit uh disgusting james tozen was the word wit used there well for the age he's got to <laughs> <laughs> it was disgusting yeah <laughs> happy birthday james i hope you have a, had a wonderful time and a wonderful evening uh yes is it uh, you know uh, we've got a team here at eurosport haven't we and you know you've got people like um james hayden you know very successful british superbike rider james and hayden will hate that by the way i'm sorry i just interrupted you there that was very rude of me james but hayden will hate it he can't stand the whole track limits thing anyway he's had some big rants on nobody the telly can. about it in the past nobody can it's just not sportsman it's just That's not sporting just it's not not sporting it? at That's all just a stupidity. Um, and, you and know, we've got nothing against jonathan ray and kawasaki at all have we but um, as a team and a rider they are phenomenal with everything they've achieved but we have to analyse every incident individually and that's just they'll lose a lot of respect for that they've sunk very low there yeah, they'll, they? they'll lose a lot of respect from the paddock and from the fan base with that one and uh, you know you know, James Aiden James Whittam yourself uh, you know you don't have to be an ex-racer to understand that's just not sporting you know mm. even the people at home will be disgusted at that and um, yeah it, it's a clear cut case isn't it unfortunately uh, I think I saw Paul Denning's um, tweet about it congratulating Yamaha on their victory and it was Kawasaki seemed, you mean for, sorry for Kawasaki and it seemed very much tongue in cheek you know? yeah well this but, is uh, what Paul Denning said um, at 38 minutes past the hour so World SBK tweeted FIM World SBK stewards rider number 54 Toprak Razgati Oglu and just to rub salt into the wounds they tagged Toprak as well so if that's the way Toprak found out by seeing a tweet, that's, uh, well, he probably knew by then anyway. Anyway, Toprak has been demoted by one position in the World SPK Tiso Superpole 
race results after exceeding track limits. And then it goes on to say on the final lap, which I can't see on this particular screenshot, Paul Denning, quote, retweeted that with the following. This penalty follows a formal protest by the Kawasaki racing team. We assume after forensic study of the onboard footage, any infringement was extremely marginal and was not originally noted by race direction. Congratulations on your inverted commas, quote marks, victory, close quote marks, guys, well deserved, dot, dot, dot. Yeah, that just about sums up Paul Denning's mood, obviously. Yeah, I think it was a, a hint of sarcasm uh, towards the end of, of, yes. of, maybe throughout the whole message. Yes. Yeah, and, and, you know, Paul Denning is, 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 is an ultimate professional. And, uh, you know, it, uh, it would have taken a lot for Paul Denning to pick his phone up and, and do something publicly like that. Uh, um, you yeah, know, well, he'll want to make it clear, won't he, that that wasn't just a race direction decision. That's only been looked at because Kawasaki protested Yeah, it. race direction should have kicked that out the door. Mm. Simple as. So they're just as much as fault to me as Kawasaki are. Race direction should have said, "Get out the door. We're not having that." If 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 we, if we, it's, you know, it's like a, you know, it's like the rules of of the land and the law. You know, if 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 someone comes with a bit of a problem and 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 a judge says, "Yes, you're right," it just could open the floodgates, can't it? To everybody else jumping in, like you say, we don't uh, we don't want that. We don't want that level in racing. One thing we need in uh, sport and in bike racing in particular, which is so dangerous, is is respect. And there's a bit of a lack of respect being shown there, isn't there, I think, James? I'm just going through my folder here just to confirm to you who the members of uh, Race Direction actually are. Tamara Matko, the chair of Race Direction. She's also the FIM safety officer and great work there from Tamara across the weekend. There's been some very nasty accidents. We've seen her out on track a lot. Gianfranco Carloya is uh, the second member of Race Direction. He's also the race director and has been for many a year. And his son, Stefano Carloya, who's the Dorna representative in Race Direction. You also have a stewards panel, Tamara Matko again. She's the race direction representative within that stewards panel. Uh, one of four rolling members of uh, the FIM World SBK stewards. They changed during the season. And one further person, three in total, and it's one other member appointed by rotation by the FIM Commission of Circuit Racing. So um, I don't even know whether that one would have come down to the stewards panel or race direction itself, probably race direction. I bet you the stewards didn't agree. As we said before, the general feeling from Aston with the Yamaha moment coming out of that chicane is that the stewards didn't actually agree with that. But when they've said, if you cut the green painted area and we're looking in particular into last laps, like I said before, James, they've sort of backed themselves into a corner there. Race direction have got no leg to stand on because Kawasaki in this case would have said, well, he's touched the green guys and you've written here in this rule that you can't do that. Whoever's ruled that as a misdemeanor is, uh, you know, clearly in the wrong. Clearly in the wrong. So Race direction do have the final say, don't they? Yeah. Regardless of what's in the regulations. Is Absolutely. That true? Yeah. Yeah. On, on, on all of the rules, there, there is a few where, you know, if it's completely clear cut, you know, the, the, the penalty is the penalty. Mm. So, but there is obviously in racing, you know, it's, there's loads of gray areas, isn't there, of where the race direction has to just have a look at it and make a final call on it. And uh, this is one of those situations because uh, the, the, a, a protest always creates that you know it's down to someone's judgment and you will have watched that footage of the replay of, of top right just uh, clipping that white line on the on the way up the hill and said yes uh, I, I agree with you um uh, he's gonna dock him a place but luckily it's just one place you know and it's only the sprint race as well so it's not a full five points it's a, is it three points uh the, the difference between first and second yes it is it's 12 and nine isn't yeah. it so it's top racks lost uh yeah. 10 points, not 13 points in the lead of this championship. Yeah, yeah so exactly. It's, yeah. You know, it's it's not a massive thing, right? But I'll tell you what, I won both, both my world championships by two points, right? That's three points has just been docked. I wouldn't have been world champion if that had been the case. And oh. I'll tell you what, I would have been well annoyed at that. <laughs> Imagine the sour taste it's going to leave 
in the racing community and with fans if this championship is decided by less than three points in Jonathan Ray's favour by less than three points absolutely yeah it would be a bit of a shame wouldn't it mm. well there you go um, I'm sure by the time you all hear this we will have had more reactions I've just been looking at my phone actually James to see whether any press releases have come through yet from the teams um, yeah if you're undecided shocking, really. gonna, I'll tell you what if you're undecided who you're going to support now uh, there'll be a lot more blue fans now I'll tell you what, I've got more really? messages coming through from uh, friends and colleagues uh, yes and I agree with you by the way uh, track limits is a joke has just come through from a trusted colleague I'm not going to name everyone because it wouldn't be fair because I haven't got time to ask if they want to be named in the podcast so uh, the general I've not let's just put it this way I've had several reactions from trusted colleagues respected colleagues in racing and they're all agreeing with what we've said so far. No one said, oh, Karasaki, you've got a point there. There you go. Let us know what your thoughts are as well. James N. Toesland. I uh, don't want to barrage you, James, with a load of tweets, but I bet there's a few reactions already. Uh, forgetting that for a minute, and let's just say Toprak's done the treble because on the road he did, even though officially, sadly, in the rule books and uh, the record books, he hasn't now. But uh, what a superb weekend for Yamaha and Toprak Razgatioglu. They really were, I'm not going to say in a league of their own, but the dominant force this weekend. Fabulous. The, uh, the, the the bike control and skill in that second race watch on the very first lap into the hairpin top rack his rear wheel must have come off the floor two at least two foot off the floor and he still just put it down hit the apex and then I, I think he still exited the corner first you know and it's uh, it's just it's really really impressive and I'm talking you know I used to do it at a decent level right and I'm watching this kid doing things that I never used to do and I'm not sure if I could have done and you know just to say that is uh, I I enjoy watching him he's exciting uh, to watch with his with his uh, with his bike the level of skill that he has with that braking technique that he has um, but he's you know he's found a team that understands him very well Phil is uh, chief engineer and Paul Denning they run a, such a, a great outfit you know uh, it's uh, um, it's been a long time since they've uh, won the championship of Yamaha and this looks like it's going to be one of the best chances they've had since 2007 I think it was no sorry no 2000 me wasn't it but 2000 uh, 2007 was the manufacturers championship manufacturers championship and uh, 2009 of course with Ben Spees for the yeah, riders of course, yeah so it's uh, you know what 12 years since uh, Yamaha's took the victory yeah. and uh, what 13 14 years since we won the, the manufacturers, 16 years sorry, since we won the manufacturers. So it's been, been a long time since um, Yamaha have always been there or thereabouts, but uh, they, they've not uh, they've not taken the, the final trophies home. And this looks like the best chance this year with him. Um, it looks very difficult now, doesn't it, for Karasaki in terms of, I mean, there wasn't much Jonathan Ray could do. They were closing in through the fast sweeping corners, wasn't he? Estoril in particular turn three, that right-hander, some really good exits from there for Jonathan Ray. And that movie pulled, let's think back to that sprint race and, the respect the riders showed one another was phenomenal, wasn't it? In fairness to the two riders, it was absolutely superb. That last lap fight in the sprint race, James, it was gloves off, bit of contact here and there, but just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant bike racing. Yeah, and, and the the reaction from Johnny and Top Rack on the slowing down lap just showed you just what respect they've got for each other and just how much they are enjoying riding and racing against each other at that level with that intensity to it. So I'll be really surprised if it's been Johnny that's kind of gave Kawasaki the heads up about that. I'll be really surprised. I can't see that. But, you know, if it is, then so be it. But, uh, um, you know, because you can't go on the slowing down lap and pat somebody on the back and congratulate them really genuinely for that Johnny did to top rack. Then get back into Park Fermi and whisper to Pereira, just have a look at turn six. I'm sure he went on the blue line. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine him doing it. And we don't, Like we say, we've, we've got to repeat ourselves here. We don't know for sure if that's what's happened. But all we do know is that Jonathan Ray whispered something in Pera Reba's ear. It looked particularly secretive. Pera sort of nodded. Um, 
We'll never find know. that out. We'll never no, find we'll it. never know for sure. Of course, we won't. But either way, um, somebody within that Kawasaki team, at least one person, has obviously complained. But you have to think that they will have spoken with the rider, even if it wasn't Jonathan informing Pira there, James. Surely the team manager would have spoken with Jonathan first, wouldn't he, before they put the protest on? Or is it possible, is it possible Jonathan Ray wouldn't have even known that protest had gone in? Because we've got to be got fair to, here. We've got to be you, fair to you've Jonathan. You've got to do it within 30 minutes, right? Yeah. So a yeah. rider will be doing his post-interviews. Yes. He'll be trying to get out of his leathers. Yeah, podium. He's knackered, you yeah. know, trying to maybe jump in the shower. So I'll be very surprised if Johnny knew more, other than maybe, if Johnny's put the word in mm. and then gone, mm. right, which we're probably assuming, right? But if Johnny has got nothing to do with this, and it's just been the Kawasaki team of somebody's just seen possibility of that. Which is possible. Um, I don't think they would have even notified Johnny about it because mm, mm. they would have known, any engineer would have known that it was a bit of a dirty tactic. So you don't ask people, do you, when it's a dirty tactic? You're not going to go, hey, Johnny, uh, we're going to put this protest in, mate. Um, I know it's a bit naughty and that, but what do you think? They're not going to do it. Because Johnny, Johnny Ray, I'm sure, I would hope, go, give it a rest, lads. Give it a rest. I'd hope, I'd hope that that would be the case. So I'm, I, I am just going to go with my, uh, my gut instinct and say Johnny knew nothing about it. And because you've got to get the protest in within 30 minutes, he would have been getting out of his leathers, doing his post-race interviews and, uh, and calming down, ready for the second race. I'm really interested, actually, to see what Jonathan Ray makes of it um, because he might be a bit embarrassed about this whole thing, won't he? If that wasn't what he was talking to Perariba about, which is absolutely possible, we're just Are discussing sure all the right possibilities. Clip? What, of the, the moment? Of the misdemeanor. Well, I think they must have because... You know what I mean? Well, I worked with Dorna, James, for four years and, and in the TV truck and doing the commentary and so on and so forth. And I know that there is a representative of Race Direction. His name is Carlos Bratel, a very nice man, used to work in MotoGP, who's in contact with uh, the TV truck to help the production of the race. So if there has been a track limits moment, he will inform the people in the truck of who it was, it was, which lap it was on, yeah, which corner yeah. it was. So considering how much earlier in the day that was, they've had yeah. loads of time to go through all the footage. Yeah. It must that, be if that, that. If that's the best one they could have found. Yeah. Crikey me. Clutching at straws. I'm trying to think now. I think <laughs> that re really do it justice, does it? I think that replay, because like we said, the only person who would have known that would have been Jonathan Ray directly behind. But I do think in John, in, let's be um, fair to Jonathan here as well, because we have to be fair to everyone in this. Um, I think that replay was shown, wasn't it, in the run, in the cool down from that race. So it's possible someone in the garage may have seen that. Do you know what I mean? That they'd oh, already yeah, seen that, that angle. We've said that. We've said yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we've said that. Yeah. But uh, but anyway, we're just shocked, as you can tell. We're, it's uh, it's a shame. Uh, Ducati, <laughs> Ducati. Then Scott Redding again. It's too little, too late, isn't it? They've come good in the last race. He wasn't on the pace to match the top two, but he's on the podium. It shows it could have been three podiums, but qualified eighth, stuck in that group in race one, James, got frustrated, crashed, finished 12th, fought up to fifth in the sprint race, which was crucial for a good grid position for the last race. But again, it's too little too late, and they've lost a lot of points. Is it 75, I think it is now, for Scott Redding behind the top top two? Uh, I'm the leader. Put the notes for you, but it, it, is it, was 75. Yeah, it is something like that, isn't it? Yeah. It's shocking weekend for ducati unfortunately the package just did not look like it wanted to go around those tight corners hold a line and do what the riders wanted the bike to do and um you know the 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 to make it even worse it was the qualifying position like you say to start a third row at world superbike level 
is a disaster. You need to be at least on those first two rows to get away with the Johnny Rays of this world and the top racks because you know how fast they are on those first few laps. They don't make mistakes. And you watch those races back. By the end of lap two, you are three seconds behind. Yeah. At least. Yeah. So, and like you even called it, there was like an A and a B group this weekend, you know, and uh, the A group was... Uh, uh, was uh, Johnny and Top Rack, and closely followed, not too far away, was Alex Lowe's, but crashed two ice out of three, which was a disaster for him as well, because he could have had three podiums definitely this weekend, so that was real loss for him. Um, but uh, but yeah, but the, the rest of them, you know, Rinaldi kind of had a decent run in the first race, didn't he? But and um, Mark, um, Van der Mark, I must say that uh, he he was very impressive. Leon Aslam had a decent weekend, other other than the crash in the last one, I thought he was strong, but. Um, you know the the Hondas looked a little bit better, didn't they? Um, but uh, it's still it's still a, it's still a gap, isn't it, to those top three, especially top two. Vandermark was really good, actually, wasn't he? It's the first time he's not finished on the podium at Magny Corps since 2015, so he'll be annoyed about that. Didn't get a podium at Aston this year either. A similarly good podium record for him there. Uh, new engine went in for the sprint race, didn't it? Lost the whole of free practice three on Saturday morning. So actually, from a, a sort of psychological point of view, James, the way Vandermark managed to bounce back and just focus on the job in hand was really impressive. And how about that for a scary moment on the start finish straight too? Oh, ridiculous. With Locatelli. I mean, we, we didn't know this, but uh, he had a bit of a coming together with Locatelli a few laps before, which just moved his brake uh, lever protector out of the way a little bit. And that then gave mm. access to uh, to that incident with Vandermark uh, with Vandermark and uh, um hitting the back of Locatelli wasn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah so it was it, it it was just a freak thing where he came together and uh, Locatelli's elbow nudged the brake protector out the way and then hit the back of him i mean it's uh, very very unfortunate but what was fortunate is that rear uh, that front tire just connecting again and, and, and getting up to speed uh, on the rotation to grip again to, to be able to, to steer because while it was locked it was going straight for that pit wall and uh, he really got away with that one have you ever had anything like that you know your front brake being uh, hit luckily not luckily wow, not yeah. I, I, I got it got hit um, going into turn one at Monza in 2010 on the Yamaha but it um, yeah I suppose it did yes that, that's exactly what happened to me and, and I, I lost the front um, but but not like that was on the brakes James Whittam actually said something really uh, uh, really interesting on the fact of why it happened the way it did because it's not very often that the front brake gets uh, an impact on acceleration and on acceleration there's less weight on the front and that's why the front locks so easily and quickly and and and, and uh, vigor, um, viciously it's pushing from the rear because it's pushing from the rear and the weight's off the front and that's why it's steered so quickly off to the left usually when you contact the brake lever on somebody else you're on the brakes going into the corner and that's why you see the riders going over the front of the bike so um yeah really freak accident and nice to see that uh, they all got away with it yeah, Michael Rinaldi had a decent race one, didn't he? How do we explain that, though, the fact Rinaldi's up there? I mean, Giovanni Krupin Scott Reading said, as we suspected during race one, that with the different temperatures, that always affects them, and it's uh, not quite so easy for Reading to use the X tyre in cooler temperatures. Navarra, for example, was very, very hot, wasn't it? It worked for them there. Is that just because Rinaldi is lighter and more nimble, as we've talked about before, and it's not putting so much strain on the rear tyre? That's what Scott Reading would tell you. Not sure. I'm not sure. The, and this is the problem when, you know, I, I don't have a clear answer is when a rider is inconsistent. Yeah. Because when a rider is inconsistent, you can't put your finger on it. 
And this is why consistency in racing with any of the riders is so, so important for everybody, for the engineers to know exactly what to do to the bike to improve it in the garage. Because if, if, if one race you're fourth, the next race you're twelfth, and then the next race you're third, and then the next race you're eighth, and, you know, when you come into the box, it's very difficult for the team to kind of put the finger on and get a system together and a relationship to making those right decisions at the right time. Because you have to work in such a small working window to make those right calls at the right time. And when the wind is so wide of Ducati, all the engineers, they've just got no idea because the variations are just too vast. Uh, does this come back again to what Reading said pre-season? The fact you've got one really small light rider and one taller and heavier rider, or should that not matter in your opinion? It shouldn't matter. Well, it doesn't matter because you've got the same inconsistencies with both riders. It's just strange how Reading then, you know, struggled on Saturday when, weirdly, Rinaldi's then up there and wasn't far off the podium. It's, it's so weird, isn't it? I, I I think the wind is different for each rider anyway. Mm, yeah. But obviously, with the with the differences in weight and size, um, you, you're not getting the similarities uh, of of both sides of the garage, where the two engineers and the two teams can work together to try and maybe narrow those options down and work in a smaller window. It keeps it separate. You know, that's what Scott's uh, hinting at, and it definitely can hinder yourself when you've got issues. When you haven't got issues, and each rider is different, but it works, fair enough. But when they've got the inconsistencies like they have, they'll very, it's very, very difficult to put your finger on what the problem is. And You know, you'd, you'd rather a rider like Locatelli finish fourth all the time because at least you know where you're at and what you need to improve. But one race you're fourth, next race you're fifth, and then you're tenth, and it's, it's, it's impossible for a team to, uh, to, to work with that. Before we sign off, James, because I've kept you for uh, half an hour or so already, um, Super Sport 600, first of all, Joel Cluzel, I can't believe it. Joel Cluzel injured again. The official line, they've been taken to uh, Nevers Hospital, Joel Cluzel, and, of course, Luca Bernardi, who had that crash earlier on in the Supersport race. Uh, it was a head injury, wasn't it, for Joel Cluzel, and a back head injury, and head and neck for yeah. Joel Cluzel, back injury for Luca Bernardi. Best wishes with them. In terms of the race itself, it seems a bit... Um, it's almost wrong in some ways, isn't it, to talk about a motorcycle race when you've had uh, two nasty injuries like that. But championship-wise, it's looking good for Dominic Agata. Yeah, amazing, amazing. He confirmed in his post-race interview that he is going to be missing the next race in Catalonia. Yeah. So, but to be honest, with uh, with um, with Odendahl's performance this weekend, you know, I don't think Agata's going to be too worried because mm. it, it's, it doesn't look a guaranteed 50-point loss, does it, that Stephen's going to gain on him in Catalonia. With the Even Brothers bike, which is so fast, the Catalan track is one of the fastest tracks on the calendar in the world. So you'd have to say that if he wasn't on the podium twice, Odendal, he's doing something wrong himself, definitely. So, But, you know, over 60 points uh, in the lead of this championship now, he can, go to, uh, um, he can go to Moto E and do that, come back and still be in the lead of this championship, I believe. And Supersport 300, a really strange problem for Adrian Huertas. He'd already won race one, dramatic race, as they always are, on Saturday. He almost got away from him on Sunday, but to ride around that problem, some sort of issue with his handlebar, wasn't it? And still win the race was super impressive. Stuff. Yeah, it was, yeah. Sometimes uh, you just get a little bit of lubrication uh, on the clamps uh, of the handlebar clamps that clamp onto the front fork. Um, you've got to be really careful with that because even if you put the right torsion, even if you tighten them really, uh, really heavily, uh, the force that the rider puts through his arms through those handlebars can just start to move them and they pivot around the handlebar uh, top yoke and, and, and in that area. And then the handlebars can be in completely different positions. And if you can imagine like one handlebar being really forward and the other one being in its natural position, oh, it's so awkward to, to change direction. Uh, and, and what's risky 
is he didn't know for a couple of laps when you go from right to left what you do you push on the opposite handlebar so he'll be pushing outwards on that left handlebar and he would have been worried that he was going to push it out even further yeah. and once the handlebar goes over a certain point past the horizontal point <laughs> to ride with the handlebar facing forwards is really really quite dangerous so he might have even got black flag so I think he must have nursed that he was a second lap slower than he has been all weekend he nursed it and still won the race even with those issues Tom Booth Amos was really really frustrated he had a few words with the wear test but you could just see that he's frustrated because he should have took an adv- taken advantage of that well I'm just going to get all of the uh, best wishes out there we've already said happy birthday for Monday to James Whitham let's say happy wedding anniversary to Will Brooks our uh, executive producer and his wife Sarah for Wednesday and Aga our production manager happy birthday Aga for Thursday the week of the 6th of September seems to be a pretty busy one for anniversaries and birthdays at Eurosport doesn't it I'm impressed that you've got the calendar in there with everybody's <laughs> kind of uh, <laughs> do you know where my birthday is Barry Nutley's birthday is next week, by the way, Thursday the 16th. <laughs> That's a no then. <laughs> oh, yeah, yours is October. Yours is October. Yours is October, the same month as mine. That's it. You're is off it the Christ- 16th? You're off the Christmas card. The 16th Christ- of October. No, you're off the Christmas card. <laughs> That's done. No, what is it? It's 16th. <laughs> the 5th. Ah, the 5th. Yeah, yeah. I knew it was coming yeah. up soon. Um, Close enough. At least you know what month it was. I'll let you off. And I know you're going to be 23. Thank you. I saved it. <laughs> Fully saved it. Um, James, <laughs> thanks again for everything over the weekend. You'll be with us, of course, for the Barcelona weekend, although it's not a clash with BSB, of course. We've got Silverstone BSB coming up this weekend, and then we'll have Barcelona, Jerez, and Portimao World Superbikes. Although for Barcelona, Wit will be with myself in the commentary box. You're going to be in the studio, aren't you, with Matt back I've in London? Demoted. I've been demoted. I think you put, have you put, have you done Kawasaki and put a complaint in? <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be with Matt in the, yeah. I'm going to be with Matt in the studio. So um, I thought I had a face of radio these days, but obviously not. Nice. <laughs> and oh, by the way, thank you very much for uh, comparing me in the Eurosport WhatsApp group to Coronation Street's very own Roy Cropper earlier in the weekend. Right, please put a picture of your bag on this now because you're going to have to explain that. So, And, and I will get sympathy from everybody that views it. Listeners, I'd just I'm like saying. to know what you think about the fact that two-time <laughs> World Superbike champion James Tozen even knows who Roy, Roy Cropper, Cropper is. is. Hey, mate, I'm, I'm, I'm on the wrong side of 45. He's a national treasure, James. Absolutely. <laughs> Don't diss Roy. Right up there Don't with Barlow, the Barlow and Baldwin <laughs> and all the rest of them. Anyway, on that bombshell... Thanks for listening over the weekend. Thanks for watching on Eurosport and Discovery Plus and the Eurosport app. And uh, James, I will speak with you next week. Cheers, Greg. Cheers, everyone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.